0: You'll never believe this. A pastor and a rabbi walk into a podcast
1: to discuss how faith and tradition should inspire but not limit us.
0: Yeah, we talk about stand-up comedy,
1: surfing, religion, family issues, Doritos, hemorrhoids, the bears, and absolutely
0: nothing at all. You'll have so much fun, you'll never believe we're actually religious leaders.
1: I think TikTok would be the other way that that uh, parents should try and f- <laughs> just 15 second dance videos back and forth to their teenagers that, upstairs, like a, like a dance off. That's basically what it should be, right? Like a total like
0: you know break dance off
1: the way we used to do it in the 80s, but like more modern. But it should be like interpretive or uh, liturgical, where you're trying to communicate a message, like clean your room, <laughs> clean your room through dance.
0: Through <laughs> How about clean your room while dancing? That always
1: I, that would motivate me. I gotta be honest yeah but then you just have to tell your kid uh no it should be both you should you
0: should communicate it through dance and you should dance while you clean your room that should be the deal but like yeah. could you could you dance could you clean your room in like 30 seconds i don't know that's how long how long are the tiktok videos are like 30 seconds
1: i don't know i'm not a talker ticker You're not ta- no You're not a ticker or a talker nope nope, nope. i'm bad. still trying to get off my space actually
0: <laughs> I just I dialed up with AOL <laughs> right before we started talking. It was great. Yeah. Yep. Good times. So you saw the news, right? Uh, every day. Every every day. <laughs> That's impressive. That is impressive. I, you know, what? my, my wife calls me the king of uh, headline reading. I'm like, did you see the story about? And she's like, you have no idea what that story is about because you only read the headline. I was like. You got me. Man, I know that I she's
1: good. She is good. She do, knows you, well. do you do you have the headlines come as uh, notifications on your phone? I do. I have a couple oh. of different. I have a couple of di- what is that like? Really low? Is that like really bad? Your uh, your the millennials would, would uh, have some choice words for you. No, but, I my, I just can't deal. I don't do notifications at all. Like I think oh, okay, so that's, that's, is, that's okay. The only, the only thing that interrupts me is my phone calls and my text messages.
0: Wait a minute, your phone makes phone calls? Yeah, it does that too?
1: <laughs> I'm still not sure how, but yes. I just tell a, I tell a lady who's stuck in my phone to call and then it does it. And I don't, I don't know what number it is. It's a lot like Lassie, if you remember Lassie, when they'd call sure. the, the operator <laughs> and, and say, uh, you know, Lassie said the boy's fallen into a well
0: what's that timmy's caught in a well they and he's chopped her. under a rock
1: no, lassie's crazy. been recast as siri though is her <laughs> name. siri is, siri is the dog in my phone it's like
0: it's the woke dog is that what you're saying that's the woke version of lassie yeah
1: yeah but i don't so notifications it's just like why would i want to be interrupted constantly about stupid things i don't care about
0: that's listen i, I hear where you're coming from um but for me like we do actually we get the we actually get the paper we get the jerusalem post to our house every day and like congratulations a guy, thank you there's a guy who lives across the street who writes for the jerusalem post and he was like he was like you are our last subscribers we love you guys <laughs> we're we like the only congratulations
1: people get- you've held out you've kept our corporation in
0: business I don't know, and that we we pay like 000, 000 a million dollars a delivery, you know, for each uh, each paper. But it's, it, it seems worth it to keep the keep the company alive. The um, but yeah, so I but I love the I love the notifications because I can just get a quick look at something and feel like I know what's going on in the world. And then if I need to, I'll actually read the article and. That happens. That does happen every now and again that I read the article.
1: Yeah, but but it's always like, so the second, so so you're like, you're hanging out, you're chatting with me, you get a notification. Do you glance at it? Usually not. No, it
0: depends on what's going on in my life. Like if I'm in the middle of praying, I I try really hard not to look at it. The hard part for me is that I would love to turn all notifications off. But since I have a, a business that I write, I run from my phone, I have to be available. You know what I mean? Like well, I've We're had, talking I think, news.
1: We're talking news here. Like, no, no, I hear we're talking news. Why but like, would you care that there are Cyber Monday deals <laughs> at a 3 p.m. on a Tuesday while you're uh, in a meeting? You know, that's what, that's what I'm, I'm just not. I want to go check the news when I'm ready to check the news and I can give it my full attention. Same thing with e- emails. I want to go check my email when I know I have time to read and respond or process those things. I don't want an email to sure. pop up with some guy's random question, or something that's going to, you know, make me emotionally reactive, and then it's going to ruin whatever I'm doing right now.
0: I hear you. But like I said, if I'm not available, I I could hear you saying turn off the news notifications. But if I turned off email, and WhatsApp, and you know, all my like, if I turn those things off, I would miss work, they would go to somebody else. That's the crazy part.
1: But not the news. So just just focus on the news. So so
0: focusing on the news. If If you're focusing on the news,
1: take your monkey mind and then modernize it a bit. Bring (laughs) bring that idea in your prefrontal cortex of rational thought and then try and focus. Notifications on the news are ridiculous time wasters. I hear you. I'm going to hold
0: on to that. I'm going to hold on to that. Let's let's take a caller. Uh, Wait, no, we can't do that. Um, No, but that I'm hearing you. I'm going to process, but wait, let's talk about the news. I mean, we got a total, we've digressed slightly here. We
1: have. I thought that's what you wanted to talk about.
0: No, I did not want to talk about my ridiculous relationship with my phone. That was not what I was going for today. Um, No, I I wanted to talk about the Supreme court decision that came through last uh, on Wednesday last week, right? Where you saw it, right? Did you see what, what was going on? Tell us more. So basically, the Supreme Court decided in a five-four split um, that uh, they barred all the restrictions that Governor Cuomo put forth uh, on the religious institutions of New York. Um, And basically, what I understand he imposed was that he imposed that there could be 10 to 25 people in churches and synagogues and other places
1: of worship. And that was it. That was the limit. Um, so wait, he said there was Cuomo said there was a limit, and the Supreme Court overturned it and said there could not be a limit. Correct. They, they, uh, this is this is a little bit mis. This is why I love news, right? So it's a little misleading.
0: It said it barred restrictions, which sounds like there are absolutely no restrictions.
1: They're restricting and,
0: restrictions. Well, they're they're de restricting. Well, there's there's definitely now um, less restrictions. The question is. <laughs> we're going to get to is, should there be restrictions? Are there restrictions? Like all that. But basically right now, what Governor Cuomo had imposed has been lifted. Then the, And people can go to synagogues and can go to churches. Now, when I first read this, I, I was quite excited. I don't, how, how, what was
1: your first reaction when you heard this news? Uh, it's a sticky slope. It's, um, you know, I think that when it comes to uh, government and law making decisions on, based on pub, the needs of public health. There definitely needs to be some guidelines and some facts mm-hmm. put out there. Okay. I, think, I think those are the two things that law and government should be doing: is saying here, are, right. you know, here's the disease, here are the numbers, um, here's the facts of how it gets spread, and you know, yep. it takes yep. 10, day, it'll, it's ten days in your system before you'll have symptoms, but you're still contagious. That kind of stuff. People should sure. send out the bare-bottom scientific medical facts, and then the government should make some guidelines. Here are some ways to avoid this. Here are some great. We're talking.
0: You're talking maybe federal to state, right? That's what you're thinking. Maybe like the federal government should put out this is what it is. Here's the information.
1: States should then take that information and make rules. Am I following yeah, and, you? And Governor, yeah, and Governor Cuomo, I think, in and and out here, uh, Gavin Newsom should be saying. Okay, having heard these things, here are some great ways to stay safe, and what I recommend you do during Thanksgiving or and when you you know how bars stay open, how churches stay open. Great. Um,
0: So um, I think that's spot on. What's interesting is that when I did a search on uh, the New York government's website, all I could find were basic sort of guidelines for disinfecting but not really talking much at all about restrictions, which I thought was interesting, right? Maybe, this, maybe something has changed since the court ruling came down, but it was really just guidelines of saying, this is how things should be disinfected. This is how often people should be washing hands, like the things that we sort of know and are living with and have been living with since last March. Mm-hmm. So it, they, it didn't seem that there were, they were proposing many restrictions in that regard. Okay. Now, what's interesting about this court case, though, I did I spent a little time looking over the actual ruling. Um, I read through a good chunk of the actual ruling, which um, it, it's easy to find if you want the to find restricting, restricting the rest- Yes, yes, the de-restricting restrictors. So the so what what I find what was first and foremost interesting was the New York Department of Health was talking all about. It said bars, restaurants, they have to be closed from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. And, they, and the one thing that came up about a restriction was indoors and outdoor gatherings in a private residence can be limited to only 10 people. Okay? Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: that's That was sort of the big sort of, the only thing I could find, which was a really big restriction. The um, The discussion that came up, uh, the, the way it was sort of presented in the article, which I thought was quite good, was it talked about this guy, Christopher Ferreira, who I think is one of the legal representation who was, you know, who who was, on the side of the suit, trying to lift the restrictions. Um, And he said, what, this was the first sort of line. What is, whatever is considered safe for grocery stores, liquor stores and massage parlors must be considered safe for churches and synagogues. Now that for me was sort of the sticking point with this whole issue for me. And I think that's why it got thrown
1: out. Because we do something very different at a, at a religious gathering than we do at a massage parlor or a grocery store.
0: Well, that was (laughs) a, It was actually a, a funny thing that I saw. I mean, it was just a push notification, but it was a funny thing that I saw that that somebody put out today. I, I forget who it was that said church gets around problem by opening a brothel or something like that. You know, yeah, like that yeah. they, <laughs> right? So, but not only that, we do that things are, that things in churches are being different uh, different than what's being done in a grocery store. But the the main argument was you have a grocery store down the street, right from the from the synagogues and the churches that are right. And in the synagogues and churches, you're telling me you can only have 10 to 25 people. And a, and a lot of them are in huge spaces, right? Like a, like a church can, how, how many seats can a, a large church
1: hold? Give me like a number, Ralph. When you say large, I mean, there's 30,000 member arenas, but I'd say like, Good. you know, ours is like a, a, an average size Protestant, it's probably like 400 people. Okay so let's say you can you can house 400 people and actually the
0: um the place is called Agudat Achim which is the the synagogue which was part of the lawsuit they could hold 400 people okay now if they're in a good state where they're where the 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 city or whatever is holding at a place where they're not at, in the red right they're in i think they were just downgraded from orange to yellow yes and if they were to go whatever, and get more restrictive, then they would have 50% capacity. But let's say right now that 400 is a number we're going to play with right now, right? If down the street you have hundreds of people shopping, right? And you really, really, really very few restrictions on people who can come in and shop, but you're telling me I can only have 10 to 25 people. There's an imbalance
1: there. It's not consistent. Do you agree? No, because we're much more, I think. Okay, go ahead. As far as spacing and such, I think in religious, in our group of 400, uh, you know, it's seating. That's right next to each other. It's, there's a lot of interactive elements. You know, it's not like a grocery store where you can, you know, isolate. So I think putting uh, restrictions on, I, I get why they're putting restrictions on, you know, public gatherings in essence, like you're getting together to get together you're not going to the grocery store or the right. barber or such to get together you're you know you're for a process you can stay so they need they need to say hey if you're going to be doing this gathering keep 6 feet apart keep the so i don't know about being a restriction i'm not you know i'm kind of against the restriction piece but at least guidelines so at our church when we we reopened recently for sunday guidelines service, see i'm i'm with you i, I right when we reopened we um, we said, we're going to keep you know, six feet apart. We're going to keep the uh, masks on at all times in order to stay safe. And so in that, we, we had to limit our number of people. So if they had said, you can only have 20 people, we would say, well, that's ridiculous because we can fit 80 in here with the guidelines you have out. So why is it the added you know, numbers that are making more of a problem?
0: Good. Good. So that's exactly, I'm I'm 100% in agreement with you. And I, I think that's what's amazing. If you if if one were to go and read the actual Supreme Court decision, what the Supreme Court decision did not say, which is I think a lot of people's reaction to it, is that, that that's why I didn't like the article's language of saying um, barred restrictions are gone, right? Like, like there are no more, it's, it, the, the, um, and therefore, Governor Cuomo, you can no longer put restrictions on any of these things or guidelines on any of these things, right, in, in religious services. It said the, 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 the restrictions that you put on were, were imbalanced. They were, they, this is not, it, does, it doesn't make any sense that you can say on the one side with a space that can allow for X number of people, right. And, and it said, if, I, if, the, if you wanted to be more, um, if you wanted to do this in a better way. You could say, okay, it's a 400 seat, you know, it, for this space seats, 400 people. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to leave seats each in between and we need to leave it so that there's people with met, right? All the guidelines that you're, and I think, I think that's where it was left wide open in the, in the, in the ruling, the ruling left it open to say, you can do this. You can have um, more guidelines and still more restrict, not more. You can still put in restrictions like this didn't bar. governor from saying this is what you can do this is what you can't do but it can't be so imbalanced Mm -hmm. that's that's the issue like what came up for me right away was there there have been a lot of protests going on right there have been the black lives matter protests there have been the biden celebrations just recently right and people were running around in large groups and then turning to people in religious institutions and saying well why are you doing?" you're not allowed to be you know, gathering for that reason. We're allowed to gather for the reasons that we feel are, are, more, are important and what we wanna do and what we
1: feel need to be celebrated or you know, protest. And, but you're not allowed to get together. Yeah, but isn't that, isn't that the point of a protest? Like you're against, you're against sort of what's going on and you're making <laughs> your own decisions in the first place. And, and, the, and the other thing is, I mean, religious organizations are doing it, uh, are sanctioning and hosting these events. So we're sort of liable and for health and uh, safety standards, right? So, you know, if, if I'm breaking those guidelines, if there were some, you know, like bars, for instance, if they're breaking guidelines, the uh, food and alcohol uh, oversight in their area can shut them down based on some of these restrictions. There have been three businesses in our county that um, got shut down for staying open. Same thing with churches. You know, I, I don't know if there's any church police that's going to come through or if the local officials are going to come through and count our people, but we are liable because we're hosting these things. Protests, you know, in essence, someone's just organizing and sending out emails and hosting a website, but they're not liable. You know, you can't call Black Lives Matter. You can't call the Proud Boys leader and say, hey, we're shutting you down. You can't do this protest and have them go, you're right. It's a protest. That's the point. People are upset and (laughs) and have the right to gather. so yeah i mean, I think putting again guidelines are the best way to go to say if you're going to gather in a huge crowd and go to a religious organization or a basketball game or a protest, mm-hmm. here are the mm-hmm. things that are going to keep you safe. If you can't do this, I would recommend not going.
0: I am one hundred percent with you now I'll tell you what's interesting here in israel we um We actually have had it for quite some time that it's uh right it's been for i think at least a month since we started to open up from our last um it's not quarantine. Our last uh, lockdown, right? After yeah. after our last lockdown, we opened up and we were told that you can have ten people inside, twenty people outside. That's the that's the total amount of gatherings. That you, and I think, by the way, what's happening in Israel is has been easier because we have a sort of very centralized body telling us what the rules and guidelines are. It's not going state by state, right? Israel, basically we have the government, we have the Knesset and that's it. They've told us the ruling and they said, that's it, 10 and 20. And yeah. we have, you, know, you have to follow that. And so what's interesting is um, these guidelines have led to um, some funny actually outcomes. Number one, there was actually a story a couple of weeks ago where um, they actually had a circumcision, right? Which normally is a very joyous occasion. They usually can attract somewhere between, you know, you can have it small in a person's house, but it could also, it's called a brit milah and it can also be very large and it can have, I've had, I've done uh, circumcisions with upwards of 300 people in attendance. In fact, one of the last ones I did just before the first lockdown. We might need to pause here so people
1: could uh, get all the circumcision jokes out of their heads.
0: <laughs> it's it's important to get those out of your heads because they'll never leave mine. I'll tell you that much. Everyone has a has a good one. And
1: now me. a word from our sponsor. Jamie will do your <laughs> circumcision. Adult circumcision are half off at this time.
0: Nice. Well played. Well played. You
1: get it half so, off because if you're an adult, off. there's more. And oh boy. So
0: so there was a there was actually actually was a circumcision held at a synagogue. In Yavne, which is is in Israel, in a town in Israel, and the, and after it was found out by the authorities of that city that it happened, they welded the door shut to the synagogue.
1: Hmm.
0: T- take that in for a second. The, in the Jewish state, the Jewish state, we actually welded the door shut of a synagogue. I mean, that's we we're we're serious about making sure that these things are followed, and I think that that is very important. Um, another thing which I'm going to throw out there, which was I thought was really funny, when we when we were coming out of our last lockdown, they did exactly what the um, what the Supreme Court ruling was talking about. They there were all these mathematical equations being given out by the government saying, if your shul is this large, or, or yeah. they just started with a number, and then they said, and there are this many seats, then it can only house these many people. And so there's a one of the terms that we have for a person who sort of runs the synagogue, especially in Israel, is called a A gabbai is the person who, you know, will give out all the honors for the people to come up to the Torah and bless the Torah. And they ask the person who's going to be the prayer leader. And they're sort of like the, the, the grease, right, in the wheel, right? They're not the rabbi, but they're the person who does like all these intricate things that need to be done at each of the prayer services. And so they, they, somebody jestfully put out a thing Said that we're looking for a gabbai um, who knows calculus, <laughs> and it said Jewish knowledge of Jewish tradition and op, you know is a plus. Meaning they didn't the the the, t- the technicalities of what you needed to do to figure out how many people you know would be allowed into the space. It was like it was like yeah. calculus. It was unbelievable. But so these things, I'm I'm in 100% agreement with you. What I find interesting is that some of the the shots that I feel like people are taking are coming from a perspective of why do you need religion? Do, do, you, do you get that sense? Or am I, am I just being uh, a little bit paranoid? Like government officials are saying, why do you need a no, religion? No, I think, I think uh, no, I don't think it's coming from the government as well, I, I shouldn't say that. But I definitely feel like, I'll give you an example, okay? There was, this actually came out um, from a, a friend of mine who is a rabbi in New York, put this out on his Twitter feed and it said, and it's actually, if I'm not mistaken, it's from the New York Times. It said, if shutting down your church building for health and safety reasons prevents you from practicing your faith, your faith might be the wrong thing. Mm. That is a really strong statement against religion, and I think a misconstrued statement about what religion is and what it serves for people. I don't think that religion is like sort of, oh, well, my faith just disappears when I don't have a church. We're not saying that. We're saying there's we're in a time right now where things there's huge question marks in people's lives, right? This is a very scary time for people, and community and support from your community and being part of your religious faith and practicing your religious faith comforts and keeps people in some senses from not you know losing all hope. And I think that that's, that's just totally misconstruing. I mean, do you agree?
1: I think. I mean, I think if the if the only piece of Your uh, of someone's religion is the public gathering, the worship service. Mm -hmm. Then that person's probably, at least with my religion, they've missed the point that there's more to how God is in our lives and what God wants for us than showing up on a Sunday for an hour, acting pious and friendly, going home and swearing at the television because your football team's losing. Um, You know, I think I think you know I think if we if we cannot be the church without going to church, we've missed the point. Mm-hmm. But I think going to church was the heartbeat, was where we got that pulse, uh, where we got that blood pumping through us of God's livelihood, of God's love and grace, of God's direction. And also, like you said, it's a grounding. It's, a, it's peaceful. It helps um, find some uh, order amidst chaos, you know, in that ritual mm-hmm. and tradition that holds true weekly for you and I. Um, Mm -hmm. we circle back to that to be grounded in a place that, that, that stabilizes us. And Mm -hmm. so all that is missing. Yes. Uh, I think the bigger point is though, we need to continue to consider, okay, how do we do that? But also all the other stuff, how do we, how are we a Jew who honors the law, even if we can't be at a temple? How are we a Christian who, you know, serves and helps the needy and is still generous and joyous and forgiving even if we can't show up at worship. I, and right. yes, there's a huge grief to every single individual, but I don't, I think, you know, I, yeah, I mean, it's it's an, it's almost a uh, like a pretty extreme statement to say, you know, uh, that if worship's the only thing that people are looking towards, uh, they can't do their religion at all. You could still do it. You're just, you know, you can't do that gathering. Do you have- like Go what ahead. are what are the stipulations in the in Judaism uh, for when you cannot attend temple?
0: So that's that's a really good question. Um, actually, one of the interesting things that happened as the earlier stages of the reality of COVID sort of set in, um, one of my teachers, one of my uh, cl- and a close family friend of ours, who's um, the rabbi of the town that we're moving to, who he himself I think is now. Um, safely into his 80s put out what we have when we have um, these things sort of come up it can, it can go in two different directions you can get someone who actually asks you a question and then you can actually give a response right that can happen and sometimes rabbis sort of put out statements without getting questions and I believe this wasn't an act I'm not sure if this was a, came from a question or not but his name is Rabbi Riskin uh, Shlomo Riskin and he's pretty well known he, had, he started a big sh- uh, synagogue in New York and then moved here to Israel and moved to a frat. Started the town of Afraat, and he is the rabbi of the town. Which we do have rabbis of the town, believe it or not. There are other rabbis as well, but he is the rabbi of that town. And he said, elderly people are not allowed to go to synagogue. When this first started, when we knew, when we weren't sure, and also when we knew that, or started to get a sense that the the elderly were in a much um, higher risk category, he didn't just say, "Hey, you know, synagogues," you know. He said, "No, you're not allowed to go." Um, and there have been other things like this, which, by the way, were, uh, many people have quoted in the recent past. Um, rabbi Salanter, who was, I believe, lived in the late 1800s, um, there was a cholera outbreak during his lifetime as he was a rabbi of that, the area that he was in. And I believe he was in Eastern Europe. And um, they, they believed, the, the medical establishment believed that, um, that not eating was going to make you much more susceptible to cholera. And, uh, and Wait, a came, rabbi is saying this? The, no, the medical establishment said that cholera, you'd be much more susceptible to catching it and maybe even dying from it uh-huh. because if you didn't eat, this is in the late, this is in the 1800s. Sure. And so it came to pass that Yom Kippur came and Yom Kippur is one of our you know, most important sacred holidays that we have. And the most fundamental part of it is that you don't eat. And the story goes that he actually stood up after the morning service, And he, he, what we do on like a normal Saturday is we make a thing called kiddush. We make a blessing over wine and then we eat food. Mm -hmm. Um, and he, and, but that's obviously doesn't happen on Yom Kippur. And he got up and he made kiddush over wine. He made the blessing over the wine and he, and he, and he made his disciples also eat. Um, and everyone was like crying because they had to eat. But we, we always say, that when it comes to these sorts of things, you have to live by the Torah, not die by the Torah, right? And so we tend to be very liberal when it comes to things uh, that are life and death issues. Uh The question is where do, like, when you have the medical establishment telling you, you know, not everything that's happening right now is a life or death issue, where do you fall on these sorts of things, right? That we know that there's a certain segment of the population where this is very serious, you know, if if they get, um, COVID, right? We all know this, right? When you're definitely in your 80s, when you're maybe even plus 65, right? But if you're someone who's 20, less than 20, right? There, there's a lot of different, right? So uh, we we try, we, I think I'll just say this, we tend to be very, very lenient when it comes to life and death
1: issues. Mm. Like yeah, I myself, go ahead. That's kind of the challenge is it? it it's not a directly straight, it's not a straight line between, you know, a life and death issue, you know, people are, you know, people don't know where they're contracting this thing or don't know they're contagious and spreading it. I think there's a huge, you know, gray area for folks where, you know, people want to go back to church and be cautious. And, you know, if we as churches and religious leaders open up, people get the message that it's safe, right? And I cannot, in good conscience, make that claim. You'd have to be an egomaniac to say, you're not gonna get COVID here because we're six feet apart, masking, using one entrance, a different exit, uh, all that stuff. You'd you have to be crazy. And there's people doing that. They're saying, no, we're not gonna listen. Uh, you know, I, don't, I think, you know. in some way, people are sort of uh, emboldened, in a way, where there's this very uh, emboldened sort of uh, entitled attitude that, you know, who, who is anybody else to make decisions to, to help guide my life? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and they don't want to be told, Hey, you know, uh, if you have more than a certain number of people at Thanksgiving dinner, Mm -hmm. you're probably putting yourself at a higher risk. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I saw, um, I saw some jokes about, you know, People saying, oh, you know, no one's going to tell me, uh, no one's going to take away my God-given right to have Thanksgiving dinner with my family. It's like, <laughs> God-given right? What do you mean? <laughs> and I think the thing is, you know, it, it's not, it is a life or death matter to, you know, you can't guarantee people are going to be completely safe and not get this thing. Um, you can be as helpful as possible and still, you know, do it and people still have to make their own decisions. But when it comes to public health, you're not, by getting together with, you know, family for Thanksgiving or going to church, you're not just affecting yourself and those people with you. Because of the nature of this thing, you can be contagious for 10 whole days uh, without showing symptoms and passing it, you so you're passing it on. You're saying, oh, I'm healthy. I should be able to do this. So yeah, you can make your own decisions about your own life and your own death um, and what you're going to expose yourself to but the thing is so contagious and so nefarious in how it acts that Mm -hmm. people don't know. And so there needs to be some sort of, you know, leadership on uh, people saying, and again, I, the restrictions are hard. The guidelines are great. That's my, that's my take is I think there needs to be some very strong guidelines of this is a way you can do this safely. And Mm -hmm. if you don't, then we highly recommend uh, you quarantine for 14 days after Thanksgiving, because. Thanksgiving, you're putting your family at risk. The next fourteen days, you're putting the rest of you putting the people at the grocery sure. store. Sure, your no, but I liked, your...
0: what I really liked. What you said was the leadership piece. There was another there was another post I saw on uh, on Twitter that said um, it's incumbent on every religious leader to follow, as most have the guideline, the guidance of the health experts, not Supreme Court justices, and to go beyond the letter of the law to keep our community safe. And I think that the problem I'm having is. Number one, we need the leadership. That's exactly what you were saying. I 100% agree with it, and I think that. But there's got to be something in between the black and white. Meaning, what do I mean by that? That just by saying that we're gonna we're gonna open our church doesn't mean I'm saying, or our synagogue doesn't mean I'm saying. So there's no guidelines whatsoever. I'm not following any of these restrictions, and I'm throwing everything off. I'm not gonna wear a mask, and we're gonna let 500 people in here right? That's how I think some people are reading it. The moment you say that you, that that religion is an important thing to you, and we're going to try to open this up in a safe way, right? That the safe way part just gets, it doesn't get heard. It's why would you value going to synagogue over someone's life? And that's not, it's not a fair statement to say that. Hmm. I'm not, if I'm trying to do it, like you said, with the guidelines, I'm not, I'm not valuing my religious experience over someone else's life. I'm trying to do both. I'm trying to still have, and by the way, I think I saw a statistic that said that the the number of suicides or the calls about suicides shot up like 300% since this started. You know what I mean? Like There are people in dire need of leadership, um, community, support, all sorts of support. So to say, I'm going to try and do this in the safest way possible, like here in Israel, uh, still now, and I think it's happening in America too. In the synagogues that I know of, that the 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 argument is, has been basically pushed into the street. We we pray almost all of the synagogue experiences we're having, quote unquote, are, are people praying in the street right now. Mm. So we're doing it with masks. We're doing it. everyone's six feet apart. We're you know not staying around. There's no like we usually have this smorgue of kiddish and everyone eats afterwards. There's none of that. You just go, you pray, and you go home. Right, and so trying to find a way to keep your religious life alive right not just by yourself because that's a really hard way to keep your religious life alive but trying to keep your religious being in existence in the safest way possible that's the part that people are missing i I do value the, the the whole thing with jewish law is and i think any law is is that you have these these values which are in tension with each other right i have a value for protecting every life but i have a value for also being in community right there's there's all these values which are in conflict with each other right if we really wanted to save people's lives let's use a different example right if i really wanted to make sure that people's lives were protected then we would never drive cars right <laughs> because people can die sure. but you can't make that that argument is ridiculous right so why are you making that in a religious context why are you saying to me yeah never drive your car that's just ridiculous Drive your car in the safest, most responsible way possible. And if that means everyone over 65 can't come, we have to sit this many seats apart, everyone needs to wear a mask, or, or do it outside, right? You're, you're in a good climate for doing it outside. Am I wrong about that? What, what's your weather like? Yeah, I mean, it's a little cooler, but... No, but I'm just saying there's, there, there has to be some sort of acknowledgement of, first and foremost, when I, when I value my religious life, I'm not crazy. I'm not a heretic. I'm not a, I'm not a zealot. right? I'm not somebody who's saying, like, and I don't care who dies and I don't care who gets it. No, I'm saying, let's figure out a way to do this. And that's why I like the, the, the way you keep saying it, with guidelines, with good leadership. right? I think it's so important not yeah. to just say, oh, Supreme Court says it's okay, which is not what they said, right? but the Supreme Court says it's okay and we're just going to do whatever we want. That's not the answer either.
1: Yeah, and I think it's it's the same attitude. It just gets to a higher level when it gets to politicians and Supreme Court. Like you and I, as religious leaders, have to make decisions for a broader population of people. When I make a decision about what my church is doing, I have to consider what are what are these thousand people, you know, what 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 does this say to those people, and I have to consider the least uh, or the most vulnerable, the 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 you know the people who have asthma, the elderly. And mm-hmm. if I say, hey, we're going to open in this way and it's safe, um, they're not, you know, I, I don't, people don't assume a level of critical thought often when they hear it from a leader of any sort. And that's the mm-hmm. challenge with these, I think, with these with the politicians in the Supreme Court getting involved um, without really focusing on medical data, you know, aside from from what the medicine is because I think they're taking this to, to say, hey, we've got this, we're gonna tell you what to do. And people mm-hmm. aren't willing to succumb to this because I think there's very little um, transparency, there's very little sense of um, centralized data collection and, and reliance mm-hmm. on you know, tried and true quantitative analyses and not subjective uh, opinions, I think.
0: Well, we're also, by the way, very early on, like we, we still, I mean, we still don't know enough about this. Like, we're still in that stage where m- most people think that the government says X or, you know, everyone says masks and now we figured out how to solve this problem. I- I'm not sure we figured out at all how to
1: solve this problem. You know what I mean? Do you we think there do- was, a, do you think that it was, a, at least from what you witnessed in America, do you think that there was a perfect storm going on too because of all the uh, racial issues and political issues that divided people?
0: That as, it led as well to as COVID? more that what a perfect storm of that it led to more outbreak. What do you mean?
1: No, not more outbreak. But I think you know uh, when it comes to things of this nature, historically, people would have relied on medicine and science. However, uh, there's this you know polarization, this divisiveness right now between you know the, the racial the understanding of, of uh, the racial divide. People, some people say it doesn't exist. And other people say, well, it's very real. I experience it every day since I was born. Right. Um, you know, so there's these, there's these two sides that are getting further and further apart. Same thing mm-hmm. with the political agendas and the, the election that just happened. I mm-hmm. think, and maybe I set you up and ask you a question. I should have- No, 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 set, set me up. I'm, I'm good com- <laughs> I should have just commented on it. But I think um, it was a perfect storm where COVID came along and typically we would have you know, relied on science, centralized the data, heard from the CDC, Government would have set some, you know, solid guidelines, offered some some support where necessary, um, mm. and we hopefully would have bonded together. But because the world had become so polarized in the past year amidst COVID, it just condensed that sort of hatred and isolation more. So people became uh, more of the worst of their side of the argument and right. less, you know, kind of respectful of the other side or willing to um, give up some of what. You know some of what they be, they believe or understand of the disease to say well you know because there's there's people there's people who failed out of my high school who are making medical just making medical comments <laughs> on Facebook.
0: Some, are, was that one that, what was that one that somebody said? I'm not an epidemiologist, but I play one on Facebook.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's like okay, in 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 the rational world, I feel like I I don't know what happened in the past year, but you know, prior right. I felt like. People, the same guy who failed out of my high school would not be making medical claims. Right. He would say, hey, I need to protect myself and my family. Here's what I'm going to do because this is what the doctor says. Not all this stuff about how it's spread and spread. The size of spit particles and all this stuff—you are like, where did you learn all this while pumping gas? <laughs> He's like, "What spit particles are the same when as you... gas particles? What's the <laughs> yeah. problem?" When you become a health official
0: at <laughs> <a> night school, <laughs> a night school—I didn't know they had that at night school. That's impressive. <laughs> so, I, I think let me just let me just comment and then jump in there for one second. I do think that your your perfect storm analogy is perfect, but I think that your that the racial issue is only maybe a symptom or one part, portion of it. I think what we had was we had COVID, we had lockdowns, we had a ton of people lose jobs. We have a ton of people losing their livelihood, right? You have all these things sort of brewing and then everybody just sort of dug their feet in, like you said, right? Everybody just said, right. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I know best what's best for me or, 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 or I can't listen to this or I can't listen to that. But it's, it's a hard, when people use the language of, you know, listening to science, I feel like sometimes that statement is more divisive than it should be right now. Do you know what I mean? What? That, what statement? That list, the, the statement of we listen to science, we listen to medicine. It's, it's used yeah. in a very political divisive way. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't think that it would have been a political statement, but it is a political statement right now. Because if you even look at, and that's why I started with the, the we don't really know you know, thing, which is those who are being a little bit more level-headed about it and are not trying to force mask wearing down people's throats. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm for mask wearing. I'm just going to put it out there at the outset. I think that anything you can do, which is not shown to hurt, but is shown to maybe help, do it. But, but when people are trying to shove things down other people's throats and saying, we listen to the science, and then you quote a whole bunch of things to them that say, you know, well, the science really doesn't know yet and their science isn't conclusive at this point, and it hasn't been conclusive this whole time, they go, you're ridiculous. And I'm like, but don't use, don't use science as a way to sort of polarize the world in addition to all the polarization that we have right now, right? I think we, can, we should all have statements like, like I just said, this looks to be a good way to try and help this situation. Um, But I don't, I mean, I personally, I'd love to hear what you think, but I don't think if everyone just put wear masks right now and kept six feet apart, I really don't think this thing is going anywhere very fast. If you look at other, if you look at other communities, if you look at Norway, if you look at like other places in Europe, they, they, there are some places that have very high level of, of mask wearing. I mean, I think Italy, which got hit really hard in the beginning was really high level of mask wearing. They're going through a whole nother wave right now. Like there's a, there's a lot of things that we still, that are big, big question marks. And again, I'm not saying they're question marks. So don't do things. I'm saying they're question marks. Let's just be, let's just talk about this in a rational way. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Mm. But in, in regards to all of that, I do think your perfect storm analogy was spot on. I do think that there's a lot of things brewing for a lot of people and that that it has caused things to be more divisive, unfortunately it's sure. unfortunate
1: I also think it's uh, I also think it's bad that they call it a perfect storm because when you hear something's perfect, you think that's it's good, but this this perfect storm I, I don't know who came up I with mean no
0: it. one was happy when George Clooney died let's be honest that that, that perfect storm movie what? was not a perfect you never saw the perfect storm
1: I'm joking um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that.
0: Um... So let me ask you a question. I have one more question on this topic, and then we can sort of. I think we're getting to the point of wrapping up anyway. The th- this entire argument sort of boiled down for me um, as to, and it was said in the article that I read Do, and do we believe, you and I, as religious leaders, do you believe that uh, religious institution and religion itself is, the same, is an essential service? That's the big question for me. Do I believe that religion is, that, is the level of essential as, you know, I, I would say going to a bar is probably an easy one, but like going to the supermarket, um, right? Are, are these things, do we believe that religion is that essential? It's, it, in some ways, it's a big, still a big question mark for me, but I do think that I probably place it at a level of closer to essential than people who make statements on Twitter that, you know, deride anyone's you know desire to be part of a religious you know
1: yeah event
0: of any kind yeah what
1: do I, you mean, think? I, I think the the community is of our religion of christianity at least is essential i think that uh, uh i think that we cannot um like we've been saying, I think we cannot overlook all of the uh, responsibility we have as leaders to make decisions mm. on behalf of uh, public opinion, public health, um, mm. and interest, even if it, they're tough decisions and not everyone, you know, we do that all the time. We make decisions uh, on someone else's behalf that we hear, you know, there were a couple of people who didn't like it um, in the same way. So I think the public, I'm not sure if the public gathering is essential at the expense of. Possibly uh, spreading this thing. I think religion itself yeah. is is, um, is essential. What I'll add to that is I also think if we're able to move past the grief and struggle of what COVID has done to things like our worship services and public gatherings, if we're able to 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 ask not if we're able to look beyond that and not ask the question of you know do we cancel this or not. And we look to the question, well, what, what opportunity do we have?
0: Mm.
1: And how do we learn to um, gather in community in a different way where we don't have to get together? We're going to find that we're able to be more connected. You know, the internet people say was a bad idea, Mm. but it's at the heart of it. It brings people together in a way that helps and could, you know, could enliven us. And especially during this, if we can find ways to, to bring intimacy through a computer screen, um sure. Share the values and the feel of a of a public gathering as best we can and as similarly as, as we can to a worship service. I think if we say what opportunity do we have to rethink those things and to build and grow on those we're going to find that the those the what I call them golden cows those things that like were idols in in our religion, what we found before might have been idols were actually misplaced um reliance on something that wasn't actually as big of a deal or wasn't actually, it wasn't the only way to do it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I think public gatherings aren't the only way to do worship. I think. Um, And I think what we're finding is we get, um, we're doubling our online attendance from what we typically got live weekly prior, which means that's, that's impressive, which means that about 400 people who weren't showing up, before are showing up online. Now they're not getting that kind of um, the same, con- you know, physical connection and, and, mm-hmm. and all, the, all that, all um, that happened with a public worship service, but they're feeling more comfortable to attend worship. They're feeling more uh, connected. Maybe, you know, people who have health risks apart from COVID, um, you know, the homebound, the shut-in, the people in uh, elder care facilities, we're in, we don't have the opportunity to reach those people on a regular basis, um, in ways that we didn't before. So, you know, I think we are essential, but we have to rethink what are the elements, and is each one actually have to be done exactly as we've done it for 2,020 years, mm. or can some of these things be done in a different way? You know, I'm, 100%. A- I'm asking our board to consider what does membership look like because mm-hmm. in the in the Lutheran Church in America, membership in a church means you have to attend once a, at least once in a year and mm-hmm. give money once in once in a calendar year those are the two things you have to do to be a member you don't have to adhere to certain um, standards of life you don't have to have mm-hmm. creeds or commandments memorized it's a pretty low bar and to yes. be honest you know if people and and people can't show up so we have zero members as of 2021 if we stick to that <laughs> you know so how do we rethink what it means, you know, do we can we put in some benchmarks of faith development and growth, you know, people deepening their relationship with Jesus and, and growing, serving their, you know, their neighbors in some way? So it's those, interesting, is those yeah, are perhaps. essential. I'm, anyway, I'm gonna, I'll just wrap that up. No, those this is that's great. Those uh-huh. are the essential parts that I think of our religion. Those are the things that the Supreme Court can't take away nice. if we're being creative about this. Those are the things politicians can't say you can't gather online or you right. can't go serve your neighbor. You know, if those were the things I would riot up the wazoo. I think they're, they're doing yeah. what they can and trying to be a middleman. But um, I think we got to figure out what, how can we do these essential duties in a way that we may not have done them before. Bangs. now your turn.
0: Okay, so what I was gonna say is I'm right on, I'm right on par with you because what was amazing is um, people used to, to fly, you know what I mean? If they were, had a really close relative or something, a really close friend, and, so, and like say their parent died, they would fly to America from Israel. You know, I know that pe- like for like your best friend. And, and I just yeah. I, I was so amazed when all this started that, that we opened up the possibility of p- people just putting a computer on the table. And now everyone from all around the world can can pay respects to the family. You know what I mean? Right. That need, that, that, and I'm like, th- I don't think this is ever going to go away. And it's definitely opened up a huge thing in that way. But I, I wanted to ask you. Do you think that your numbers have doubled because of convenience? Do you think your numbers have doubled because of people's need at this point in their lives? Or do, you, do you have any sense of why the numbers have doubled?
1: It's probably not need because uh, I'll be honest and, and Frank, our service, our, our production of our online service isn't fantastic. It's not a, um, you know, a, a, we don't have a huge production team and multiple cameras. So I think people who, <laughs> people who need it and don't have a church at the time are finding, you know, the, the bigger players in the world, you know, the people, there, there's, there's much bigger ones. You know, you Google search online worship, you're going to get a couple thousand churches before you get us. Mm-hmm. I do think, though, the convenience of it is nice. I think the, um, the ability for people, you know, it's not a localized thing you know um, you don't have to be within a drive to our church to be a part of our church. My mother worships with us regularly from Rhode Island. Now Uh, her friends are worshiping with us regularly because uh, you know, my mom's my, my, uh, my biggest fan and she talks all about it, but we have, you know, we have people from Slovakia. We have people from all over who somehow, you know, heard about it and stumbled upon it. And I think that's, you know, that's the piece is like, you know, it, the production value helps that, but I think there's still a community that's growing the network. Um, And if I think it, it, it's it's causing us to, to think in different ways about what we're putting out there as, you know, sermons and music, because if it's not relevant content, we're not gonna get new people. You know what I mean? If it's just the cookie cutter mm-hmm. theology that that's everybody true. learns in seminary without talking about, you know, alcoholism, depression, um, you know, uh, how to give gifts at Christmas if it's stuff that's not meaningful and important, we're not going to get new people because they're not connected to our friends and family or the church in some way already. So I think there's more people who it's easy to, it's easy to much easier to go to church. So if they're traveling or don't want to get up and go or have something else going on, they can at convenience of their own time. But I also think it's easier to share, um, you know, just like you do on with, with memes and stuff on Facebook, people share our, worship service in the exact same way, which is much easier than saying, hey, why don't you um, get up super early on a Sunday morning, shower, (laughs) shave, put on your nice clothes, drive down to this place you've never been to before, walk in with a bunch of awkward strangers and find a seat. You know, it's much easier to send a link and say, hey, this this is exactly what you're going through. Pastor Ralph had a great word. And them taking a you know fifteen to thirty minute look. I'm
0: having I'm having this flashback to to the Simpsons when when Homer refused to go to church and he comes sliding into the living room going sugar. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I'm like yeah I could I could definitely see Homer definitely would have logged on if it was an option. I think um, wow this is uh, this is great. I'm really glad we did this one. I, I, I don't, do you have any other closing thoughts before we uh, wrap it up? Because I think you've nailed a couple really good things down.
1: No, I think it, I know I appreciate uh, bringing it up and taking some time to talk about your perspective and um, love to hear anybody who's listening what your thoughts are on, you know, how leadership and politicians and uh, law officials get involved with all of this because it just seems like a, a mess right now. And um, the information war that's going on in our world is, uh, is just exacerbating it even worse. So. All opinions that's a, are. That's a whole professional. Show. <laughs> exactly. It's all all opinions thing. are considered professional opinions at this point, even if you <laughs> don't, don't have a moment experience.
0: I think the spit droplets. You know, it, it reminds me of when we were uh, when I used to when we I, I did the orientation program in uh, at the University of Rhode Island where we both went to school, and uh, my I had a friend uh, Joe Walsh. You knew Joe as well, and he used to do this classic Rhode Islander. Um, and just thinking about people who are experts, but not experts. He used to come up onto the quad and he grabs some of the grass blades and sniff them and go, it's definitely going to rain. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to rain. <laughs> like, that's what I think of, of like somebody who's like on Facebook right now trying to spew what they know when they really don't know anything, but God, I, I hope people find, you know, the, the, the leadership and the uh, motivation to be um, finding their way through all of this um, in the most positive way possible. That's, that's all we can wish for. Yeah. Uh, and we hope, uh, if you guys are out there and you want to, you, know, you want to weigh in or anything, feel free to comment, like, share all those things. And we'll, uh, we'll definitely talk to you next time.
1: Sounds good. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care.